And there, I mean, there's something that I can just really relate to in mm. this, in my own story, not growing up in the church, hearing the gospel for the first time and going, yes, now what? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I believe, like, yes, what you're saying, that I'm cut to the heart, so now now what do I do? And and it's um, turn, it's turning and trusting the Lord and uh, it's it's not it's not remaining where you are. It's not sort of justifying X, Y, or Z. But it's okay. I'm gonna turn and I'm gonna move in a different direction. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Pastor Chad here, and joining me in the remote studio, this is now the third podcast in a row from Point Loma in San Diego, and uh, I I took advantage of the time that I was here, so I recorded a few podcasts with some of the (laughs) team members here, and uh, last but certainly not least, here is Mike Tyland. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. Okay, so Mike, a little backstory on Mike. Mike and I go back. We go way back. Way back. Uh, we were in college together at Oregon State. We were buddies there. And one and one summer, I come back from staffing at Worldview Academy in college. I was one of the, the college counselors, right. staffers. And I come back, and do you recall kind of the recruitment method? What did I, how did I go about that? But somehow I convinced you to come with me the next summer. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you knew that I was interested in apologetics and serving students. And so I think I recall something like, Mike, God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. I think that's how it went. Yeah. I don't doubt that I probably (laughs) had that level of confidence and this would be a good thing for you. And now how many years have you served with Worldview Academy? So this is year 20. Wow. Uh, this is outside of 2020, our COVID year. This this would have been 20, 20 years in a row. Faithfully serving, same yeah. ministry. You've seen a lot transpire, but absolutely that represents, I don't know how many students, how many lives, how many families you've gotten to impact, but thousands upon thousands yeah. and thousands, not just students that attend camp every summer and their families, but you have college staff that have come through. You have seen uh, people come to camp and staff and (laughs) fall in love and get married and have kids and you've gotten to, you know, officiate weddings and you've this, there's been just this sweet gift of fruit that God has allowed Mm. you to see flourishing in people's lives because you've been a part of the same ministry for a steady clip of time. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's a blessing to be able to see some of that. And, you know, every once in a while you get more focused glimpses of that fruit. And so it's neat just to see God work in and through us. And, uh, it's definitely a blessing. So, uh, over the years you've served in a lot of different roles at worldview. Uh, we've heard from Mike shut and we heard from one of the faculty members, August Mm -hmm. and, and so you're kind of give a, a brief 
description your role and function at camp? Yeah, so I, I wear a lot of different hats. Um, one of my main hats is director of operations. So I work closely with Mike Shutt running kind of the day-to-day operations in our office. And, uh, and then I oversee our camps as well. So I travel with one particular team during the summer, but in working with our other camp directors to, uh, to help just with camps in general, um, so the, those are kind of my two big, big hats. And then obviously during the summer work as a camp director. Mm-hmm. And so work closely with a team of college students and oversee a traveling camp. And then one of the things that oftentimes gets left off the list of a camp director is that you're also a faculty member. Mm-hmm. You're sure. not only managing all of the operations of camp, but then there are times where you get the opportunity to kind of scratch that itch of teaching and get yeah. to engage and challenge students at camp. So uh, it's yeah. it's a joy to have you on the podcast because uh, we get to come in, take and read the scriptures and kind of put aside our hats, our professional hats mm. for a minute and and recognize that we are we are in need. We right. need to come before the word of God. We We need sustenance. We need guidance. We need... Uh, instruction yeah and so uh, it's kind of neat that that's why we we come Uh, tell me a little bit about your upbringing and not your entire life story but (laughs) you want to hear about third grade (laughs) third grade Uh, tell me more about your journey with the bible because i think it would be helpful for people to know sure because there may be a lot of assumptions made that given who you are and what you do and what you've done for the last 20 years that Man, you've always been doing this, and this is the gr- right. home you grew up in. But I think that's there's a lot of people that that listen to the podcast that that's not their story. They didn't grow up in a Christian yeah. home, or they didn't have that experience, and so they it wasn't modeled for them. Mm-hmm. And so, if you could just share a little bit of your experience with God's Word and yeah, your journey of faith with Him, uh, yeah. that'd be great. And try to do it in just yeah, you know, a few minutes. Thirty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Share your 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 testimony, your yeah. life story in thirty seconds. Exactly. Um, no, I mean, I <clears throat> I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I have a few scattered memories of Sunday school in the church, but I I really uh, became a Christian, trusted Christ uh, the summer after my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my journey with the Bible has been interesting because really from the beginning, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of, um, I would call it baggage. I didn't have baggage from growing up with the scriptures. So when I, when I trusted Christ, I, I really came to the scriptures and it, it, whatever the scripture said, my default was to take it literally and mm. to do what it said. And so there were a lot of things that um, that I would read in the scriptures and go, oh, I had no idea I should not use profanity or, or be careful about the way that I speak. Right. Oh, well, I should, I should change the way that I live based on what God's word says. Interesting. So um, had people around me that <clears throat> I would consider wealths of knowledge about the scriptures and so uh, got into some specific discipleship relationships where I pursued older older men I mean you and I hung out a bunch mm-hmm. um, as well as other other folks throughout the years I'm not that much older than you when no, you refer to no, older men I know, I'm so sorry <laughs> not, no, to, not to be confusing fine. yeah yeah um, but but just 
s- people that I could ask questions about the scriptures to, um, and that I could study the scriptures with, because I didn't have, right, I didn't all of a sudden have all of these tools to know how to study the scriptures when I trusted Christ after my senior year of high school. Mm. I had this this book that I, I really knew almost nothing about. Uh, I grew up more or less considering it sort of a fairy tale, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all of these other fairy tales I'd been told as a child turned out not to be true. And so, well, why, why would Jesus and his birth be any, anything different than that? Hmm. And so I just, I really felt like I knew fresh eyes to see the scriptures and I was just hungry for it. One thing I remember, and I really appreciated about you in, especially in the way that you and I are different. So you and I had similar uh, experiences in that I did not grow up in a home where the Bible was the mainstay. It right. wasn't. Uh, it wasn't taught. Uh, you know, would would attend church sporadically, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't grow up learning the scriptures. Right. And when I came to faith, I felt this innate kind of overachiever burden to get it all mm. figured out really, really fast. Mm. And so I remember early on as I'm reading things, and people would make some statement assuming that I knew the backstory or whatever, okay. I was very much like, okay, yeah, I'll just agree with you and then I'll go figure out what that means Yeah, because I don't want to look like I don't know. Right. What I appreciate about you is you had no issues not knowing things. Right. And so you were very willing to say, you just made a, a statement assuming I would know it. I have no idea what that is. What is that? And so you were very yeah. willing to ask questions because you had no embarrassment about not knowing stuff because you just... You I just got know. here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it's interesting because as as I've grown in my relationship with the Lord and in my knowledge of the scriptures, I I think the pressure of uh certain positions or uh just the pressure of having walked with the Lord for a certain amount of time, there it's easy to lose some of that mm-hmm. and to feel like, oh, well, I'm in a teaching position or, you know, I've been a Christian now for 22 years like right. I, sh- I shouldn't have to ask that question and so sort of trying it, it takes more effort now I guess is what I'm saying mm. to have that mentality mm-hmm. um, yeah but you were you were excited you would come sometimes you'd be like hey did you know it says this in here <laughs> right right and we're like Oh yeah, it does I say mean, that. Literally, like I, I remember, and we probably had multiple conversations <laughs> in college, but I remember actually, genuinely believing that God altered the pa- the words on the pages because I would see something. I'd be like, "Well, I've read this passage before, and I've never seen this. God must have changed this this page. <laughs> Did he and just so, add this? He just added this. It's an addition. <laughs> so it's a uh, uh, footnote. But anyway, okay. So now. However many years later, what, 20 years, 21, 22 years? about 22 years later. 22 years later, you're not a new young believer. Right. You have been married for 17 years. Yep, going on 18. 18 years. You have three beautiful kiddos. Mm. You're teaching them. You're teaching at camp. You're teaching at church. You're you're engaged in ministry. Sure. What does your interaction with the Bible look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do you balance the challenge of engaging the scriptures for personal need? Like I, right. I need to hear from the Lord today, 
versus preparing to teach. Yeah. How do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, for, on your best day, right? On my best <laughs> day, for sure. Yeah, the best day is not every day, right? Um, no, I mean, I I really effort. For me, I get so distracted by work and email and text messages, and so for me, if I don't if I don't successfully sort of carve out time in the morning, mm-hmm. it just becomes really hard for that to happen. Uh, there's a lot of people in my life who desire things right. from me. And so I really, I really effort to, uh, to set aside time in the morning. Okay. And, uh, so that, that might, some days that might be 15 minutes, some days that might be 45 minutes. Um, and you know, I've fluctuated over the years with, you know, for a while I was on a 5 30 AM kick where I wanted to get up every morning at 5 30 and study the scriptures. What? Well, I'm not a morning person, so that didn't last very right. long. Um, but but really trying to knock it out every morning, um, I I try to read uh, either a psalm every day or a hmm. proverb, just as sort of um, not not that there's not jewels and, and things to be harvested in the psalms and the proverbs, but I just find those really encouraging hmm. and um, just to to be passages that are just good reminders of principles uh, that are found elsewhere in the scriptures as well. So do you, in addition to a psalm and a proverb or something like that, is there any other regularity or plan that you ascribe to or have found helpful, you know, to kind of give structure to the way you go through the scriptures on the regular? Yeah, so I um, I've done a lot of plans over the years. So generally, in in addition to assuming it's not like a fifteen minute uh, time, I'll I'll either read I'll either be going through a passage in an Old Testament book or a New Testament book. So like right now, I'm going through the book of Joshua in okay. my quiet time and the book of First John. And so every other day, so I'll read like a Psalm and a chapter from Joshua. Okay. And then the next day I'll read a proverb and a portion of a chapter from first John. And so trying to, trying to have both the old Testament and new Testament speaking into my life at different times. And that, that's really for my devotional reading. If I'm studying to preach a particular passage or to teach, uh, or to research a talk that, that really is separate. I really try to reserve that time in the morning for just my devotional reading in, in the word of God. Mm-hmm. So will you, once Joshua finishes up, are you headed right into the next judges and then on first John into second John and you, you'll kind of keep that order of books or do you have a way that you select <clears throat> the new the Testament next? is a little bit more hopping around based on maybe what we're going through at church or uh, particular, uh, topics that we might be discussing in our home. Right. Um, and so the New Testament, I tend to hop around a little bit more, but the Old Testament, I've been pretty methodically working through Genesis, started in Genesis, working through uh, now through Joshua. So I'll go on to Judges. I'm not necessarily in a hurry. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've sort of gotten over that of I have to prove or validate my Christian walk mm-hmm. by reading X number right. of chapters a week. Um, and so like for me, like read through the Bible plans in a year, things like that are not as helpful because it puts this undue pressure on me to complete a passage of scripture by a certain time. Well, and you can then 
become behind. You right. can get behind, Correct. and you don't like that <laughs> feeling, and then you get discouraged because like I can't catch up. Well, and What's the, and yeah. life happens, right? right? And so there, like, there's mornings where. Uh, your kids are probably never like this, but there's mornings where our household just needs a little extra attention. Mm-hmm. And so I don't get as much time in right. the word of God. And um, and so I'll try to pick that up in the afternoon perhaps, but it generally if I don't do it in the morning, it, it doesn't happen. Okay, cool. So, Well, thanks for kind of taking us down yeah. your history with the word. And what I'd like to do now is take and read this word that Let's we've been it. talking about. Uh, so we are in the book of Acts, and this is the kind of the front end of a journey through the whole book of Acts. Uh, this is the second season, if you will. So this is the second journey that we've taken in this podcast, and so we're on the front end of this one. And I've gotten to enjoy a few different new guests that weren't present with me in the first season, mm-hmm. so it's been fun, and, and you're one of those. And what we've kind of learned as we've taken the last several episodes to get through chapter one and now we're working our way through chapter two we we understand that this the book of acts is a product of luke he wrote his gospel and then he wrote the the second volume or a connected volume which would be the book of acts and we know that his intention from the gospel of luke is a very orderly account so he's very systematic he's very detailed mm. he's going to include names places date stamps time stamp like all of these things yeah. matter to him and so it's been really cool to see how he has provided those details so you have a sense of the timeline of how things have played out and when mm. they're happening we also understand that the book of Acts is then, if he describes Luke as, in the first book, I gave you an orderly account of all that Jesus began to do and teach. So by kind of in implication, Acts is the continuation of what Jesus does and teaches, but mm-hmm. he leaves in the first chapter. Right. He ascends, <laughs> and then he, what we talked about in the, the last two episodes— He's then has fulfilled his promise that his spirit would come and mm. dwell with his people, and they would then become these empowered witnesses of his, mm. beginning in Jerusalem and then moving on from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, as he says in chapter 1, verse 8. So this last episode, uh, we well, two episodes ago, we looked at the, the, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming down, Mm-hmm. All of the, the events that happened around that and the description around that, but then the actual empowerment of the Holy Spirit to give them utterance. So mm-hmm. these Galileans, these men of Galilee that are not learned men, they, they know one, maybe two languages, and now all of a sudden they're speaking the mighty works of God in languages that are human languages that they did not know previous to this. And it is astounding to those who are present gathered from all nations under heaven, it says, in Jerusalem mm-hmm. for the Feast of Weeks, which was the 50th day after the Passover, which is why it's called Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So we have this very specific timestamp. We know when it's happening. Mm-hmm. We know why all these people are gathered there because there's this huge festival going on. And these men are speaking in languages that there's no way they could have learned or known. Sure. So it is a supernatural, miraculous event, but it's not some strange angelic tongue. This is human languages that miraculously they now know and can speak and they spoke as the spirit gave utterance the mighty works of god Mm. we talked about it's this really cool reversal of babel Mm. 
mm. where you've got the, you know, Babel, God comes down, they have one language, he confuses them, he turns them into a multitude of nations at that moment, yeah. a list of approximately 70 nations are then created, and then here we have all of these nations under heaven gathered in one spot, and although speaking many languages, they receive one message, the mighty works of God, making his name great. Yeah. And so it's this really yeah. cool, when, with the coming of the kingdom of God in Christ, we have this reversal, and that's what the authority and the life in the kingdom of God looks like. It's a restoration where things mm-hmm. now are going to be thriving. Then Peter gets up, and he gives the first sermon. He's empowered. He <laughs> gives this first sermon, and that's what Mike Shutt and I looked at in the last episode. Okay. And so uh, we, we read through the sermon text itself and then kind of stopped. And I I stopped us all of a sudden. I said, you know what? We're going to stop there. And we just talked about the sermon itself. And so what we're going to look at today is then what is the aftermath of that sermon? Mm. And one of a couple of things that we we saw take place in that sermon uh, that that Mike Shutt and I talked about was this reality that, first of all, there was a lot of confusion as they're speaking in these multiple languages. People had concluded, oh, what's going on? This is crazy. They must be drunk. And so the first thing Peter says is, we're not drunk. It's only the third hour of the day, first of all. We don't start that early. Correct. And what you're experiencing was prophesied by the prophet Joel, Hmm. that these things would happen that would be signs that the Messiah is, in fact, arrived. The kingdom of God has arrived. And so then he goes through and uses David and even David's own words to say, this thing that, remember David, the one that we we admire that we elevate to some status his grave is here we could go to his grave he's he's dead Mm. but this jesus is not Mm. and even david himself looked forward to the day when his lord the messiah would come and that has happened in your hearing and so he kind of finishes out and says let all the house of israel therefore in verse 36 know for certain that god has made him both lord and christ this Jesus whom you crucified, mm-hmm. that his their, his goal, Peter's goal, is to get them to have certainty right. that God has made Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, both Lord and Christ, mm. who was crucified. He also indicates that it was God's plan since the foundations of the earth for this to take place, that him to be, for Jesus to be betrayed and crucified. However, he doesn't let him off the hook. He says, but you put him to death. Mm. So make sure you know it's God who's doing this. Right. You did it too. So you're not off the hook. <laughs> right. So all of that's taken place. There's also this really cool fulfillment of what Jesus said. He said, you'll be my witnesses. Mm. And that's exactly what's happened. Uh, that they bear witness in verse 32, this Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. We are, they're bearing witness. They're, they're testifying to the truth and reality of a situation. They're not just casual observers witnessing something taking place, but sure. to witness, and that was something Mike Shutt pointed out, that to bear witness in the scriptures was not someone who's a casual observer of something, but they're actively testifying to the truth and validity of something. Yeah. And that's what we see Peter doing here. And that's what we're all called to do. Right. bear witness. Right. Okay. So that, that catches us up. Okay. Great. So then if we're to jump into verse 37, we'll read 37. Uh, and I think we'll just read 37 through 41. Okay. I think we're just going to take that short little passage and take a look at what then is the aftermath and the response to this coming down of the Holy Spirit and giving Peter utterance to preach this first sermon, which, I mean, this sermon 
changes the course of history. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty significant thing. Mm. So I'm reading out of the ESV. Mike, what are you in? I'm in the ESV, ESV as well. And just for anybody who's tuning in, we took time beforehand, before we started recording, to pray. It's something I do before every podcast. I think mm-hmm. it's important to recognize the supernatural nature of this Bible, to trust and believe in the Spirit of God to give us wisdom and insight and understanding, eyes yeah. to see and ears to hear. And so that's what we've done. And I would encourage yeah. everybody else in your time in the Word, begin it's a conversation with god mm-hmm. uh he speaks to us through his word we listen and we respond through prayer and you begin this conversation with the lord through the word and prayer so here we go jumping in verse 37 now when they heard this they were cut to the heart they being the crowd that's gathered right this whole multitude of jews from other nationalities all gathered in one spot mm-hmm. receiving this sermon So they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Mm. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Love it. That is a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Uh, I mean, you just try to imagine. Okay, so... (laughs) You, yeah, he finishes up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like this quick, immediate, okay, what do we do? There's probably lots of dialogue, and that's what we get in the yeah. verse 40. Yeah, I love and that. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. So this is there's this ongoing dialogue and conversation where the crowd's crying out, or maybe small groups of people are talking and confronting him. And, and it says that when he stands up and starts this, he's standing there with the other 11. So he's not alone in this, and there's probably mm-hmm. a lot of follow-up happening. But there, you, the scene of about 3,000 souls, so men, women, children, we don't know how many, Yeah, respond to this. They're cut to the heart. They respond to this communication. And then, and you can appreciate this, Mike. You're, you're an ops guy, so you're going to think logistics. Right. <laughs> okay, we've got 3,000 souls gathered here that have responded. Let's get them in. we got to baptize right. 3,000 people. Right. Like, just to get through a lunch line, 3,000 yeah. people would take a long time. Correct. And I I got to, so recently got to go to Israel, and one of the things that clicked for me was how that could be possible. Hmm. So they're in Jerusalem when this happens, and it's most likely, uh, historians have identified the likely gate where Peter would have gotten up and preached the sermon. Hmm. It would have been near the temple gate. Well, one of the things that was uh, culturally, uh, that happened culturally within Judaism, that any time there were these major festivals that would occur in Jerusalem, all these pilgrims come in and there's going to be sacrifices. And part of that process is a ritual cleansing that you would do. And it's where, it's really where John the Baptist gets the model of baptism. And that was 
uh, Jews were responsible as they were about to engage in worship in the temple, they would have to literally go all the way submersed in what's called living water or moving water. So it can't be just a standing pool. It's preferably this moving water. And they had these uh, cut out little small pools called mikveys. Hmm. And there would be in small villages, you see the, the ruins of these mikveys that would be near temples or synagogues. But then rich people had mikveys in their own houses mm. where they could do that themselves. Sure. Well, in order to prepare for these uh, about three times a year, these major feasts that would occur in festivals and holy days, the temple itself in Jerusalem had uh, tons of mikveys right outside the gates mm. that are all built in out of the rock. And there's moving water that's going underneath, replenishing there. And so all these pilgrims would come, wash themselves in the mikvehs, they, and they're, these, they're, they're the, these pools, but they have a little roof, so you can't see down in them. Hmm. So people would literally walk down the stairs, they would disrobe, they would cleanse themselves entirely, and then they'd come back out, and they'd be cleaned and clothed, and now they could go into the temple and offer sacrifice mm-hmm. to them. And so... To imagine this location where Peter preaches, there are literally, I don't know, uh, I don't know if there's hundreds, but there's a ton of mikveys just off to the left. Yeah, yeah. So when these people respond and he's like, okay, here's what you got to do, repent and be baptized. It's like right there, line Mm. them up and just start running. Let's go. Hundreds and hundreds of people through these. And so I thought, okay, the logistics work. (laughs) Like, I see how this happened. They they had a system in place. (laughs) So I thought, man, Mike would appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So as you look at their response, one of the things I want to first understand, do we understand everything that's being said here? Do we get, are there any words or ideas that are presented that need some explaining that, that are maybe contextually clear for those in first century Jerusalem, but for us as Westerners far removed from that, we would need to understand what's going on here or anything else like this idea of repent. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking about. That'll be one of the first times that that concept, I mean, other than John the Baptist, who was, he was uh, providing a baptism of repentance. Mm -hmm. And this is a word that now comes up again. And so how, what do we understand about that word and where it's, what's important to understand as mm-hmm. we read this? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think the, the word repent is a key word. And I think sometimes even when we're talking about our culture, what does it mean to repent for us is different than it likely or, or is. Uh, it's easier to repent, I think, in our culture where we we don't take that word as seriously. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, repentance, I think, in the scriptures is this idea of just turning around and going right. the other direction, right? And sometimes we think of uh, saying, I'm sorry, like, oh, I'm sorry, and and think that that is the equivalent of repenting. Mm. But repenting is basically, a, I think, is, is agreeing with the wrong, like agreeing that it is wrong and not just sort of making apology or restitution for it, but then turning and altering your life in such a way that you begin to walk in a new direction. Yeah, I think you're right. You have this awareness of a a wrong, a misstep, a violation, and you agree with it. Right. You say, I agree, that's wrong. It's not that you just got in trouble, and so now you're 
oh man, I'm, I'm bummed that I got <laughs> I'm caught. So or I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not this begrudging thing, but it's a an agreement that your your soul right. is convicted and you agree, whoa, I am, I'm wrong. I am at fault here. Right. And it's a, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to dwell on that fault. I'm not going to sit here and try to fix the fault myself. Mm-hmm. I am agreeing that's a fault and I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to turn from the sin mm-hmm. and I'm going to turn towards something else. Right. I'm going to fix my attention on someone else. And so I think that's this, uh, something that's spoken of often in the New Testament is this idea of faith and repentance kind of are simultaneously happening. Yeah. There's an acknowledgement of sin and brokenness and there's this humility that then turns and mm. trusts in Christ himself rather than self, right? In Christ, yeah. not myself. Well, and there's so much, I mean, there's so much you could say there about what that means then in terms of as you turn, what are you clinging to? What Where's your hope found? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I don't know, sometimes Christianity is, is accused of sort of this idea of like cheap grace and, but repentance doesn't, you can't have cheap grace with the idea of true repentance where you're turning and moving right. away. And it's, uh, there's a sense in which this movement of repentance and then baptism, mm-hmm. uh, Paul will talk about that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that we have mm-hmm. been reconciled to God and to one another. And so there's an indication from this passage that the proper response, because it says they're cut to the heart, so yeah. there is conviction that now has happened. They have experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They believe what he has said about themselves and about Christ. And now they're asking, what must we do? What do we have to do? We can't stay here because now we believe you. We believe everything you just said. What do yeah. we do now? And he says, okay, repent. So acknowledge it. Now turn away from that and be baptized, which is a profession of faith in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I, I'm I've now my life is I'm dead with him and raised to walk in newness of life. So there's this baptism is the picture of the gospel. The old right. life has passed, the new life has come up. So baptism gets to we 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 see a picture of what has happened supernaturally and spiritually. So and there I mean there's something that I can just really relate to in mm. this in my own story not growing up in the church hearing the gospel for the first time and going yes now what mm-hmm. okay I, I believe like yes what you're saying that I'm cut to the heart so now now what do I do and and it's um turn <laughs> it's turning and trusting the lord and uh, it's it's not it's not remaining where you are. It's not sort of justifying X, Y, or Z. But it's okay. I'm going to turn and I'm going to move in a different direction. You know, and, and you use the word move, and I think that's so important to recognize that we are designed for movement. Mm. We are not a static right. creature. We want to move. We want to go. We, we feel most alive when there is movement in our life. We're typically not satisfied with where we are, and we want to get somewhere else. And that this life of faith, once you come to the realization of who you are and who Christ is, you want to start going somewhere with it. What do I do? You don't just stand there in this new <laughs> understanding and then just 
wait for the end to come. Right. But now it's like, okay, what do I do about this? I got to do something. And so there is this motion to it where it's now turn, Mm -hmm. which is a motion word, right? Repentance is a turning Mm -hmm. and now be baptized. So there's this doing of, okay, I'm going to make public this new life and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go into the waters. I'm going to come back out. I'm going to express now I'm to walk in newness of life. And we see that with Paul where he says in Colossians 2, I think verse 7, in the same way you received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, hmm. rooted and built in, up in him. Well, how did we receive Christ Jesus? By repentance and baptism, faith yeah. and repentance. And so he says that's the way that you walk in him. So it gives this indication that repentance is not just this one-time thing that is done at the initiation of this life of faith. Sure. It certainly does. Like there's going to be this initial awareness that we experience, but as you and I would both say, that doesn't start your life of perfection at that moment. <laughs> if only. You become increasingly aware of how short you fall right. as you walk with him. And so this this regular activity of, okay, that's not that's not Christ. That's not who I am. That's not my new life. Right. But this sin has bubbled up in my life, and I've seen this activity, this thought, whatever, this word, and I go, that's not him. So then I repent yeah. by confessing, and then I turn to him, and I focus on him now and walk with him and follow him. Yeah, uh, It's interesting, yeah, even f- disciples were called followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. meaning there was movement. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a direction. We, we make progress yeah. As we move down the road, well, I think I think sometimes, like I just I love I love their response here. It's just this. It's simple. It is okay. Yes. Now what? Right. And there is a simplicity to the gospel that that says repent and believe. Right. It's not. But but sometimes we that's not good enough for us. Like we want to make restitution Mm -hmm. for the things that we are repenting from. We want to fix it. And that's not what we're called to do. Or can I pay it back? Is there a way that I can pay this off? Right. I don't want debt on my ledger. Right. I got to fix it. And he's like, no, just repent and believe. Just repent. Be baptized. Believe. Be baptized. I mean, I, I go back to what Paul says in Romans 10, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it, it's not this calculus equation that sometimes we think of it as mm-hmm. being. Well, and he goes on to say in verse uh, 38, the latter half of 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive mm. the gift of the Holy Spirit. One of the, Some of the sins he's just referenced in his sermon, uh, if you go up into like verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and <laughs> killed. So we're talking about some <laughs> big deal sins. Right. And they're thinking, what? Well, is there any hope? Like, what chance do we have? What do we do? Yeah, we the messed up. Is heavy. We did this. What yeah. do we do about it? He's like, repent, mm. be baptized, but for the forgiveness of your sins, mm. and you're good. You're covered. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah, and that is, yeah, and it, there's also this kind of cool, immediate fulfillment of what they were commissioned to do in Matthew 28. Go make disciples. Mm-hmm. So make other followers of me baptizing them yeah, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I've commanded. Yeah, I mean, so th- 
and I, I'm sure you've talked about, but this is the same Peter who denied Christ three times, right. who ran away in the garden. Like that, this is the same guy that has experienced yes. this freedom in Christ covering his sin. He has failed yeah. on, on a major scale yeah. and yet is restored <laughs> by Christ right? and now gets to be the deliverer of this mm. kind of grace and forgiveness uh, and a life of repentance. And so I'm sh- like, and you know, this is early on in the, the church. And so the fact that 3000 people, I'm sure there was, I just sort of imagine Peter in that moment going, wow, like God is using me to do like uh, just, and the simplicity of it, but the beauty of it Mm. to you. And he he tells them the promises for you and you for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord, our God calls to himself. So there's a sense that Mm. in this, in this first sermon, Although there are these immediate recipients of this sermon, he is assuring this promise is for you, for your kids, and for all those that are far off. And what's interesting is there's this reference to far off because here are these people gathered that are from far off. Mm -hmm. So they're only here for a festival for a short period of time, and then they're going to go home. They're going to go to these far-reaching places like uh, uh, we have Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, visitors from Rome. So literally he's preaching, and what will happen then is 3,000 people that have believed will then disperse, almost like a flywheel spinning up. They'll be spread back out, Mm -hmm. and they're going to take this good news, realizing it's not just for them in that one time and space, but it's for those that are far off that they know. And then you'll later see in 1 Peter... They'll write two letters, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Both of them address to the believers that are part of the dispersion. Those believers that Mm. had been here that are dispersed and are Jews living in these far-reached areas, and he sends them a letter of encouragement. Many of those probably were here on this day that were a part of that repentance that the Spirit did, that he baptized that afternoon, that are now going back home. He'll write a letter to them later on at the end of his ministry to right. encourage them. And it's just really cool to see all of those things kind of working together yeah. in this epic moment. Yeah, the, the lineage, that the, the generational change that likely mm. occurred in families in this moment because, because in extrapolating a little bit, but because a mom, a dad said, yes, I'm... I'm cut to the heart. I'm going to believe, and their family, their lineage is forever changed because of mm-hmm. because of their faithfulness to respond to the call too, right? Because there yeah. is a there's a response in that repentance, and it's it's cool to think that you and I sit here today, and people listening to this podcast that have placed their trust in Christ, we can trace to some degree our acceptance and our receiving of the gospel back to this moment Mm. that Mm. in history our roots because this is the first time the gospel is preached Mm. it then goes into these people they spread and we don't know the journey the gospel truth has taken to then arrive in this century america into our ears but it's made a journey Mm. and it that truth this is our history 
Yeah. We trace our roots yeah, back to this good. moment when these people repented when Peter preached. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's crazy to yeah. think that we're connected to these people. Right. And their response was, so those who received his word were baptized. Okay, what must we do? We mm-hmm. baptize? You got it. Let's right, right now. Let's do it. Does this work? Can we go here? Yeah. yeah <laughs> jump in. Yeah. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Yeah. So if you're to, to kind of stand back and say, okay, we, we've read the scripture and, and it seems like the Lord's given us some understanding of what's gone on here. What does it look like for you and I, or for you, how do you resonate with this in a way that you go, I'm going to walk out that door and I'm going to live in light of this particular truth because this is going to shape how I love my wife, how I, yeah. I father my children, how I lead this camp, how I engage with discipline issues at camp. I mean, it, uh, when I talk to parents, like, right. what do we live in light of based on what we've read? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's the hope the joy, the faith in that response of repentance. I mean, that that's just, that's what I come back to in, it's, it's not that we've been uh, called to live a perfect life. It's not that we have this burden to live in perfection, but we have a calling to repent and to be people of repentance. And so when we fall short, when I fall short, today, tomorrow, mm. to to recognize, to agree with that falling short and to try the best that I can to turn mm-hmm. and to walk in a different direction. Um, and and so I, I think that for me there's a there's a hope in that too mm-hmm. that that it's not up to me being able to live up to this standard of right. what it looks like to have repented. Ah, that's a good word. That's a good word. I think that is that is a powerful truth that's so easy to forget. Right. We'll, we'll walk out those doors and we're likely to forget that in five minutes right. when somebody offends us or crosses us and there we are justified in judging them, getting angry at them, yeah. and making them pay for what they've done to us. And we are so forgetful of the grace that we've received and the hope that we have. And so I pray that that sticks yeah. a little bit longer. And two, I, yeah, I can't help but think that the gospel traveled from Peter's mouth through these people mm. and through countless other peoples to arrive at me. I want the gospel to travel through me, not stop with me. Yeah. I don't want to be this kind of dead end line where the gospel right. went and then stopped. But I want to allow it to be, I want to be a conduit of the gospel so that others may live and that I'm not one of those stops and, in and, the journey. And just as you're talking about that, it made me think of verse uh, 40, right? Where it says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, right? It's not this one stop shop. Mm-hmm. It is a continual engagement of coming alongside people, whether they're believers, unbelievers, uh, and, and, being ambassadors for Christ, as yeah. Paul talks about in Second Corinthians five, so it's there. Uh, there there's freedom to mm-hmm. in just coming alongside. Yeah, that's people. good. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah, it's not a, a one time event. That's good. Well, uh, Mike, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for being thanks here for today. Uh, I want to encourage everybody out there. What 
what we've what you've seen, what you've participated in. Mike and I are two men that have been absolutely radically transformed with an encounter uh, with Jesus Christ and this ongoing walk with him. We talked about movement and and we can both bear testimony what we've seen in our own lives and what we ob- have observed in each other's lives as we've mm-hmm. watched each other that that God is at work and we are in progress, but right. we're making progress. There's movement because we continue to follow him and we walk with him by faith and repentance. We're regularly repenting of the ways in which we see and are convicted of sin in our life and made aware of it. And that's that's the Christian walk. There, there's mm-hmm. not it's not a walk of shame, it's a walk of hope. Uh, that man, we don't we don't have to live under this expectation that we've arrived or that we right. have perfected this thing. And so want to encourage you as you take and read uh continue to wrestle with some of the things that we've said if, we, if we've provoked questions uh or you have comments leave those in the comment section if you have questions you can email me that at take and read podcast at gmail.com if you have questions for mike send those to me i'll get those to him and make sure that he gets those answered but so so glad that you're walking that you're taking this journey you're walking with christ uh or at least interested because I also know that not everybody who tunes into this is a Christian, but you're you're taking and reading because you at least want to know what the Bible says. Because you probably should. This <laughs> it's it's the most influential book in the history of humanity, yeah. and so it bears knowing what is at least said in here. But it's my prayer that you be impacted, that that God gets a hold of you, and that you're able to have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is trying to tell you through His Word. Yeah. If you, again, have questions or comments, send those my way. If you want to support the podcast, you can hit that link uh, down below that allows you to buy me a cup of coffee. I'll probably go buy Mike a cup of coffee here before (laughs) I leave. But uh, so grateful for your support. And share it, like it, uh, do all the things you're supposed to do with the podcast in order to help other people find us because my goal is I don't want to make much of my own name, but I want more and more people reading the Word of God. And if this helps them, that's great. That's my goal. Uh, So thank you for joining us. And again, uh, I hope you go take and read the Word of God. Blessings. Blessings.